Hi there, everybody. My name is Scott Grayson, and you're listening to Mentally Unscripted, the podcast where my co-host Stefan and I inspire you to think more clearly and have better conversations about the world. When you ride along with us, we'll take you on a journey that will show you there's always more than one way to look at an issue. You'll learn to think critically about what you see and hear and how to challenge the narratives those in power want you to believe. You won't always agree with us, but that's the point. To learn that we can have a deep conversation and learn from each other, no matter how different we are. In this episode, Stefan and I welcome Eric Chow to Mentally Unscripted. Eric is the host of the Eric Chow Empowers podcast, where he interviews people who have powerful stories of overcoming adversity. Eric is an intelligent, caring person. He shares with us his strategies for gaining the trust of people who are often uncomfortable sharing their stories. We discuss the importance of rapport and preparation. We also talk about how Eric knows when to push harder during an interview and when to let up. It's an excellent conversation for anyone wanting to know more about drawing difficult stories out of people. As always, we're building a community around Mentally Unscripted, so share this episode with your friends and interact with us at mentallyunscripted.com. And remember, the conclusion you reach is less important than the process you follow to get there. All right, everybody, welcome to Mentally Unscripted. I've got Stefan here. And Stefan, I've got a question for you. I, yes. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing because I really don't care. I just have a question for you. <laughs> Are you a New Year's resolutions guy? You know, uh, as we were talking offline, yes and no. Yes and that I think they're good. No and that I didn't make any this year that are, are well, that's not true. I had some ideas in my head. Okay. So I guess I guess I'm ambivalent, which is really isn't that isn't that the kind of worst thing? It's like you like the idea of making goals and then you don't make them. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't see your New Year's resolutions making a lot of headway if you don't actually make the resolution. Um, so it's, what's the longest you've ever gone on a New Year's resolution? Um, uh, a quarter. A quarter. Good. So yeah, so a couple of years ago I did. Yeah, no, I was actually pretty impressed. So I was doing uh, intermittent fasting, which I which I still do. Um, which I guess you could say is multi-year. So that that's not true. Actually, I just I just corrected myself. The longest I've gone is multi-years oh, because I started um, intermittent fasting, and it's I'm still doing it two years on. Awesome, and that required just a total mind shift change, right, or mindset shift, right? It, it it did, and you know the thing is, you realize it's it's a really interesting use case because you realize the power of getting results quickly, right? So so for me, it wasn't just about health; it was it was losing some weight. Uh, my, the end of my you know previous career, I'd gained a lot of weight being on the road. Also my metabolism slowing as I'm aging and I kind of needed a way to reset it. Intermittent fasting, I, I, I really gained a lot of weight, uh, at this very unhealthy point in my life. In fact, I think I was probably the least healthy I'd ever been. And so I started that, um, actually I started it before the year. I started in October and then I was seeing the results and then I, I thought, here's some other things I'm going to do, but, uh, it really, you got to see the results quickly. I was measuring every day. I got to see how it was impacting me. And then it changed different behaviors, the type of food I was eating. Um, you know, obviously the windows I was eating in. So it really speaks to the fact that if you're going to do something, I think as a goal, as a change, as a habit, the, the value in being able to measure it, see, see change quickly. And, and which someone could say, well, some, some habits take a long time to get. I, I, I understand that. So then you should be asking yourself, what can I measure to show those quick wins to show, to get the momentum going? Yeah. Which I know is probably more than you're asking about, but it, it was a, it was a, an epiphany for me, right. To, to see that. 
Okay. So, so yes, so the, I, I, the answer is yes. I, you needed a shift in your mindset. Yes. Okay. And, yes. And, that's and a, you that's a, those, those quick, easy wins to help you with that. Well, yes, that's right. Yeah. The reason why I'm asking is yesterday I listened to a podcast by um, a gentleman named Eric Chow. It's the Eric Chow Empowers podcast. And the episode is, is episode 61, make 2022 your year with Eric Chow. And a short episode, about 25 minutes. And it was great because he gave you a lot of pointers on how you can build that mindset to make the changes that you need to make in 2022. Another reason why that's important is that Eric is here with us today on this podcast. Yes. He's You may have heard him giggling in the background a little bit there. Yeah, <laughs> he, he sat there patiently while Paul and I I bantered and tried to set this whole thing up. So it was well, so fun. Yeah. Welcome, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, guys. Hey, I'm glad to hear that you actually care about how I'm doing and not, <laughs> not how stuff is doing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we care more about the guests than each other. That's just exactly. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so says here that you are born and raised in Silicon Valley, California, and you're a college student, businessman, and a podcast podcast host, um, as we mentioned, and you're in your early twenties. Okay. Well, that's, that's two guests in a row we've had that could basically be our children, Paul. <laughs> okay, so. We're just going to keep it going younger. The next one on right. here is going to be half that they're going to be a 10 year old. Oh, they're going to be talking God. about whatever the equivalent is a beanie babies. Right. And yeah, we're going to realize we're fun, really though. out of our depth. Right. Yeah, it yeah. could be. It very much could be. I have to brush up on my Pokemon. Or yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and here, if he was given six adjectives to describe himself, he would say ambitious, curious, excited, caring, and hopefully uplifting and empowering. Um, I definitely think from what I know of Eric and having listened to a few episodes of his podcast, I would say uh, certainly uplifting and empowering and caring. Um, we'll see about the ambitious and curious part. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> uh, again, welcome, Eric. And just anything in addition to that biography that you want people to know? You know what? I think the fun part, first of all, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's uh, super fun to be here. So glad I could. Um, I think the fun part for me with my background is the fact that I feel there's an interesting thing that is always in the back of my mind when I'm engaging with peers. Like when I'm in, engaging with my peers in college, in the back of my mind, I'm just remembering that I have conversations like this, or, you know, I, I have podcasts and business meetings happening like later the same day or something. Yeah. Or when I'm talking to other podcasters or business people, uh, it's very interesting to think that, yeah, I actually do have to go back to class tomorrow or something like that. Or I, <laughs> I have an exam to study for or something. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the part that that makes it super fun for me. Uh, but no, I don't think there's really anything else I'll add okay. to that. Awesome. Nice. And we asked you on because your podcast, you focus on uh, letting people tell their stories. And like I said, I've listened to a few episodes and I was really impressed with it. Did you have like an aha moment that brought you to that point where you said, I want to do this podcast and I want to let people tell their stories. And um, like I listened to one where it was, it was one of your more recent ones where the lady was talking about how she was a, a, a recovering alcoholic. And so what was it that aha moment that said, I want to let people come on my podcast and tell their stories? Well, it was interesting uh, because I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure maybe there were some like key moments in there for the decision making, but I don't think that there was any one moment where it was like an aha. For me, it was this gradual process, actually. And 
I started my show because I was looking for a space to express myself, to be honest. It was not even thinking about other people and, and how they could share their stories. I just wanted a space for myself. Mm. And I was hope, hoping that I would be able to add whatever value I could. And I was 18 years old at the time. So who knows <laughs> how much value I could actually add. But hey, 18 year old me figured uh, I wanted to express myself. And as my show, I mean, even the very quickly, I think I started to see, hey, why don't I just have other people on? Like, that's that's podcasting, right? Why don't why don't it? It doesn't need to just be me. Let me let me actually talk to people. And as I started to do that more and more, I was like, realizing, hey, this is actually pretty cool to have other people share their stories. And we started to get into more rural topics. Some of the first early episodes are very casual, like not really doing much, um, not talking about anything super particularly impactful or important. But as I started to have those kinds of conversations, I said, this is actually really special. And I want to do this more. So it was more of that gradual process rather than one aha moment. You're young. As you get older yes. and you start to look back on this, you'll probably start to zero in on one moment because yeah. primarily because you'll start to lose your memory and you won't those <laughs> gradual things. So, um, yeah. All right. Ask I, me, ask me again in like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I wanted to ask a question about that because, uh, you know, some people find a voice when they start doing a medium such as podcasting right. or maybe posting online. Others, right. it's it's more in the, the I guess we'll call it IRL. Um, are you someone who's always been curious about others asking them questions? Yeah. Or did that more emerge as you started to speak to people and have guests? Uh, I. I'm sure it developed more, but no, I've always been a naturally super curious person mm -hmm. uh, in general and, and certainly with people. In fact, I think one of the reasons my show did so well, even in the beginning, was because I have this sort of natural assumption that everybody's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and it, I feel that it's my job as the host to figure out what is interesting about this person and bring that out of them so that the audience gets value and gets uh, to learn something. Hmm. So were you that little kid that walked around the restaurant just talking to everybody at every table? <laughs> no, I definitely was no. not that. <laughs> no, no, no. Your parents are in much the background of a trying to hide. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not that much of a socialite, no. no. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Paul and I, we talk a lot about mental models on our podcast and storytelling is a pretty powerful mental model from a marketing aspect. It helps you build a rapport with people. Uh, were you, when you started this podcast and decided to go down the storytelling route, were you aware of that? Or was it just something inside you that said, I would just want to hear people's stories? I'm sure I was aware of it a little bit, but it was my my passion for it came from the latter. It was definitely that. But I, I think that storytelling is everything. Uh, math and science are basically an explanation of how the world works, right? History is all about sharing stories. Uh, everything that's happened, politics is, is a lot of stories. Everything is stories in my view. So I think that there was, I realized that there was tremendous power in storytelling, but really the, the reason I got into it was because I enjoy it and I think it's super interesting. Yeah, it's a, a great way to build up a brand around yourself and to yeah. communicate with people. Um, so. Yeah, you know, uh, the context, you know, thinking about the mental model of storytelling, uh, I'll go on a little tangent because I think it's kind of fun. My, my, growing up, my dad, uh, we would have, you know, I'd have friends sleep over a young kid, right? My dad would always make up these stories 
And I, I think he was a natural storyteller. He's always enjoyed telling stories, but then that was kind of the nth extreme of him telling stories. He would he would take whomever was at the house and he'd make us uh, into knights of the realm going on a quest and have to come up with all these these really creative ideas and things we had to to um to conquer. And uh, so I always had stories growing up uh, and I, I've always enjoyed that. And I, I'm someone, I, I think I enjoy telling stories, but uh, th- when I read Sapiens and he talked about the concept of stories being a way to transfer knowledge that isn't transferred via uh, DNA, right? So it's a way of carrying on something that other species don't have, right? They, they have to go through more of a biological a process that that we actually don't we, we have this advantage it really solidified to me why storytelling is just such a strong aspect of every culture on the planet um with that you know kind of this hefty idea uh do you have a favorite story no that's a that's an interesting question no i don't have a favorite story yeah fictional non-fiction like if someone said hey i want to hear your favorite fictional story nothing Ooh. nothing nothing that you you automatically default to recommend nothing that i automatically default to um i love greek mythology i okay. will say that yep. that does come to mind i love greek mythology roman with all a lot of mythologies i was really into greek roman norse a little bit of the japanese mythology as well um but that's kind of where my mind goes but i i, I wouldn't say that i have any particular favorite no I, i'm i'm going to share kurt vonnegut Kurt Vonnegut, any uh. anything by Kurt Vonnegut is is mine. It's it's just twisted. And for those listeners who haven't read Slaughterhouse Five or Breakfast of Champions, Sirens of Titan, it, it is a is a perverse view of the world uh, that uses sci-fi and humor to sort of look at the absurdity of life and and I think share a lot of really complex but beautiful ideas. And so anytime I'm asked, that's my default. That's my default go to. And what's really interesting. Is that it is is such a peculiar taste in my mind, and it is, um, but it's it's good. It's a very interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm just I'm such a rabid fan of, of Vonnegut. I think he was he was amazing. I don't know, Scott. Do you have a default? Do you have something that if someone was going to ask you about uh, that you go to? I I'm just a typical forty something year old, and I just have to say Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> I think either either that to. or Star yeah. Wars. Just it seems to be the uh, default yep. for, for people of my gender for for men of boys i whatever of my generation <laughs> so. i'm with you though i'm with you those are some good ones yeah um so it, just as far as the podcast goes do you have what you consider to be the best story that you've heard on the podcast i i i don't think i can ever say best i think that everybody is so interesting and different in their own wit right and in their own ways that it's it's never possible for me to pick an actual favorite but when I think about memorable for different reasons, that's when I start being able to come up with different stories. Like, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give one example that I like to reference. Uh, there's a gentleman who was on my show probably like 20 episodes ago. His name was Kyle Deaver. And his story was the one that probably, uh, what, what would be my adjective to describe this one? It was the one that kind of blew me away the most because uh, this guy's a military veteran and he had dealt with suicide and depression from other people and in his own life and uh, severe PTSD and talking about just kind of the way he lives his life. And that was a very different perspective. I, I just I had never talked to somebody like that before. So it was just a very different story for me. So that's a very memorable one. But 
I, I think that there's something really special in every single story. So I don't say that I have a particular favorite, but that's that's one that I usually reference as a memorable one. Was there was there uh, I mean, that's that's a very incredible story. All the elements. Uh, was there any aspect of his story that really stuck out at you? Yeah, when you mentioned that um, sometimes for him, hope and everything is just literally a struggle to just get out of bed in the morning and take that one step and the next step just to get to the bathroom because that's just like he's just been through so much and sometimes that's his struggle. Um, So that was kind of the moment that really stuck out to me. But the fact that the guy, you would never guess. Like if you're hanging out with this guy, this guy is the most cheerful, fun, joking guy and you just would never have known that this is what this man is dealing with. So that moment was probably the the most memorable. Have you been able to identify anything in the stories that makes them memorable? Maybe the way the people, the way they tell it, their passion, or is mm-hmm. there a particular component, like you mentioned, hope and struggle in, in the last story you talked about? Is that something that sticks out to you? Uh, one thing that, one theme that I usually see is stories of overcoming. Those are my particular favorite. I think yeah, they're the inspiring stories. And yeah, they're the stories of severe struggle. But my favorite is when there's an overcoming aspect when I feel like the guest has something that they've gone through, but they've overcome it, or they are overcoming it and seeing the way that they do that. Because for me, it shows the strength of human character. And sort of what what I see is the best of humanity when you're able to go through something super difficult and come out of it better and come out of it a still a loving and caring and fun and interesting human being. Have those stories carried over into your personal life? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I think uh, the biggest thing that they've done for me is help me keep things in perspective. I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own life that you know, or our our own struggles. And I I think about, you know, I mean, anytime I think about this guy, Kyle, I'm like, I got nothing on this guy. (laughs) I mean, let's, let's, most of us don't. Right. right. Exactly. I mean, all I have to do is study for this exam. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what do I care, man? What what do I care? So it just, it it puts me at ease a little bit. It lets me have a little bit more fun. Uh, A a common thing I like to say is it, it also helps me remember that Everybody I look at or engage with, uh, this is this is a quote I like to say, everybody I look at or engage with has a story that is as complex as mine, if not more so. Mm. And that helps me also be patient with other people, helps me be understanding of other people. And it helps me to not judge people as much, I feel like. Right. One of our f- favorite mental models is um, Hanlon's razor. And basically what it is, is like you don't attribute malice to somebody when um, just incompetence, and I don't mean incompetence and stupidity, but just a mistake could explain yeah, it. Yeah. And what we take away from that is that everyone's in a different situation. So yeah. we need to be careful about judging people by putting them in our shoes. We need to try to put ourselves in their shoes. And it sounds like that's that's 100%. the way you're going with that. It's exactly what it is. When you're when you're talking to people about these these sort of overcoming instances, I'm curious if you have a sense for how much of it is. Um, calculated rational thinking or is it more based on intuition that that's using that they're driving or using to overcome in these instances uh i would say based on my observation it's probably more of the intuition side of things just because when you're going through something so difficult it is 
a big challenge to remain logical. Mm-hmm. Most people are not as lo- that logical. I mean, there are some people who are um, who are able to remain that way, but I think most people there's a sense of intuition, there's a sense of emotional connection that, for whatever reason, holds them on to. It's usually just one or two or three like small things that mm-hmm. just keep them hanging on. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I, then I, the, the logic comes later. The logic yeah. comes later. Well, and so I'm I'm curious too if that impacts their I, I guess the gravity of the story or the intrigue of the story. Do certain intuitions and how they play out um, create more tension and more interest? I guess as a listener perspective. Um, I don't think so. I think I mean uh, there there are some subtleties with whatever the intuition is that's keeping them hopeful in whatever mm-hmm. manner but i think that ju- i for me at least i just appreciate the fact that there is that intuition yeah. whatever it is that's holding them on i don't for me i'm not interested in so much in the subtleties of it mm. i just think that the fact that they have it is as i said sort of the best of what i see as the human condition sure makes sense yeah so I'm, I'm assuming you've heard some pretty uh pretty heart-wrenching stories how do yeah. you decompress from that after you get off the podcast uh, do you have a, a routine that you follow to try to get yourself back in equilibrium i guess I back in a happy state yeah. oh man dude that's a really really good question <laughs> yeah sometimes i leave i'm like man i don't know how i'm doing this um i don't really have a routine sometimes it's just i try to retreat you know i i I make sure everything's uploaded and all 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 okay and I save the files and all of that is done and then I try to step back away from the computer and maybe I'll just you know just do something to relax go go walk downstairs and grab some food you know go say hi to my sister you know uh scroll on social or something just something to completely get my mind off of it um there have been a few times where I've screwed myself over uh, one time I came off a podcast and about five minutes later, I was trying to host a event, uh, which w- I was supposed to be high energy because I'm the host and everything. So yeah, that was a challenge <laughs> to say the least. What was the, uh, the, what was the podcast? What what was the context there for why it took out the um, energy? Um, it was, it was very low energy. It was uh, dealing with um, trigger warning rape. Oh. Wow. So we we went from this girl who is sharing her story of rape. L- love her, obviously super props to her, but and then I I told her too cuz she actually the funny thing is she decided to join the event with me. Um wow. <laughs> cuz she knew about the event um that I was doing and and she didn't know that it was actually going to be literally right after, mm-hmm. but I told her I was doing it and she goes, "Well, um i want to join but also like where we're at right now i'm like listen i'm the one hosting (laughs) i can't i know i'm screwed here (laughs) yeah but she joined and she had a blast so it went went, but (laughs) that's good to hear that's i'm okay so i i've got to explore this a little bit further Um, sure you know one, one of the episodes i listened to was i think the same one scott referenced which was about um the individual who had yes. overcome alcoholism. Um, I, I didn't hear the one about the the person talking, discussing rape. I, I think the default for most people is, is avoidance, right? Yes. Um, we don't want to engage on topics, particularly with um, strangers that are deemed uh, so emotionally draining, perhaps, right. or, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it at that. So we don't do that. Um, 
And then we probably then don't have the skills to ask the questions to open someone up. You can ask the blunt type of hammer over the head questions, but I don't sense that's really what you want to do on these delicate topics. No. So, so how do you go about bringing that out? I mean, that's that's really uh, heavy. I mean, for lack of a better yeah. word, it it is, and 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 that's a very good point because it is strangers a lot of the time, uh, and and some sometimes it isn't. Uh, okay, like for example, the, this girl with rape uh, is a bit of a different story, and I can tell that story of how we connected <clears throat> uh, in a in a minute here. But for me, it's. The magic is in the first 10, 15 minutes. That's where the magic is. My objective is to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Establishing trust and rapport. A hundred percent. And I want them, I want them in the first couple minutes laughing. I want them feeling like, oh yeah, this guy is interested. This guy's excited to see me. He's very welcoming. It's not a tactic. It really is like the the reason they're there is because I'm genuinely interested. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that they feel that way. And obviously, I'm letting them know, like, hey, I, I'm excited to share your story because I think your story is absolutely amazing. Because I already have kind of a context to their story. I may not know all the details, but I have a context to it. And I think that sense puts them at ease. And then from there, I, I guess I. I somehow have certain skills that at this point have become almost second nature to me to just guide the conversation. It's not going to get super deep, super quick. A lot of the time, sometimes it does. um, If I feel like we're ready for it. But I think the magic for me is always in those first 10, 15, 20 minutes, making them go, all right, I, I feel comfortable. This dude is interested. This dude wants to add value to people. And I find that a lot of people are also looking for an opportunity to share their story in the context of Mm. adding value to people. Because if you've gone through overcoming something like alcoholism, you want to share your story because you feel it would help a lot of people who might be going through it or know somebody going through it. So I think reminding them of that also is important. Do do you get a sense that you're you know, do you have cues that you're maybe subconsciously looking for that tell you, you know, I think I've, I've, I'm pushing harder than they're ready to, uh, that they're, they're prepared for, you know, again, thinking about a topic like rape, uh, even someone who's willing to tell their story, uh, maybe they've told 80% of the story, but there's yeah. some aspect that hasn't yet been shared and sharing in a public vein is, I mean, maybe they're not actually ready as much as they thought. I always try to let people know that they can share as much as they want to share. Um, and a lot of the time, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe I say it on the episode on air, but sometimes I'm just saying like beforehand, I'm letting them know that sometimes during the episode, we'll have a moment and I actually just cut it out the episode. So nobody actually knows unless they're really listening for those cuts. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that happens. Uh, and, and there have been many times where I will cut the recording for a little bit just so we can chat and then I will re- restart it and we'll just continue on not even touching on that thing. So you, you because, you've kind of you've kind of noticed something and you're going okay this is this is this is getting yeah. outside of the bounds of what we I want to share from the right. recording. It's it's usually no it's usually from their perspective. Okay. I I will share whatever. If they're feel if they're ready I'll share it. Um but it's usually when they're like, I don't know if I want to share that with everybody yet, but I can tell you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like I can raise my hand at any point and I've got an yeah. escape hatch that you've, you've kind of, so you've given them permission. Listen, at any point I've got an escape hatch. It's totally up to you. Okay. 100%. Interesting. I, I, I think that's a really interesting tactic when you think about 
skill sets, right? In terms of, of bringing, again, bringing, bringing some of these ideas to how you, how any of our listeners can think about how they, how they actually start to use them in their own lives, right? The idea that someone talking about whatever always has this uh, ability to escape that you're never going to push them beyond what they, what they're comfortable with. That's That's, that's a very, yeah, very valuable skill I would imagine. Yeah. It's super important because like I said, the magic is making them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason you're able to have difficult conversations like these. Have you ever found yourself pushing a little too hard, especially when you first started and you were inexperienced? Um, maybe they're sending you the signals that they don't want to go any deeper, but you kind of kept pushing. And what kind of a reaction did you get? Um, I really don't know if I had them, uh, but I also think it's probably just I didn't notice and I actually still have no idea and maybe I did um, because <laughs> I haven't talked to some of those people in a long time. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did miss them now that I think about it. But actually, one thing I will say is I didn't start out trying to have these super difficult conversations. Uh, like I said, right, it was yeah. it was more casual in the beginning. And I think the, the only reason I consciously ended up doing more difficult ones was because I had two friends on the show who they just ended up like I didn't even plan it. They just ended up going super deep and and real. They just mm-hmm. did it. And so I was like, oh, this is a thing. Um, and actually, it was funny because they pushed me <laughs> to get deeper. Really? Yeah, because well, they didn't actually. They, I mean, they pushed me, but it was more in reflection after we did the episode. I was like, wait a minute, they were actually pushing me. Uh, and and so that was actually a fun thing, because I think mm. it was actually it may have been the other way around, because I actually wasn't ready for it on that episode. So I, I, I revisited some of the stories on a later episode when I felt more ready. And then I, I, so yeah, I would say it's actually the other way around, probably. Have you did you read any books about interviewing or about storytelling? Or did you listen to anyone? I know some people talk about listening to Oprah and uh, old episodes of Larry King, since they seem to be sort of the master interviewers out there. How about did you do anything like that? Not specifically for preparation or, or to get better at it. But like I said, I've always been super interested in storytelling. So Larry King, of course, I mean, little legend. Uh, and and I was definitely listening to other interviewers and podcasters. In fact, the only reason I came up with the idea, like I said, right, my, my initial uh, purpose was just to express myself. And I had tried some of those other, you know, posting on social and, and video format, which I really didn't like at the time and writing articles and different things. And I was listening to podcasts. So it was something that I, I was definitely looking at. I think some of my favorite interviewers of, of today, Sean Evans from Hot Ones is one of my favorite interviewers. I think he does a fantastic job. I like looking at Jay Shetty. And the way Jay Shetty does interviews, um, Tom Bilyeu does a really good job. So those were probably some of my initial role models. What what specifically did you look at and that really resonated with you from their style? Um, Preparation was probably one of the big things and, and the way that they were able to get into those deeper questions. Because I find that, you know, you look at a lot of, for example, interviews with actors and they have a movie coming out and it's it's very surface level question so i started to i what i loved about those three guys and and obviously several other people was they got deeper and they actually were very real and a big part of that was their 
preparation and their ability to make the other person feel comfortable and their ability to listen, uh, their ability to connect and, and share ideas and start pinpointing, hey, that's actually really amazing because of blah. Just like, you know, how earlier you, uh, you guys mentioned the mental model that I was talking about. I didn't, I don't even know what the mental model was called, but I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I saw those guys doing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment. Those were the things that I really appreciated and started to find, okay, this is what interviewing really is. It's not the boring, like surface level stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, which has its place, of course. Well, it, it, it does. And then you also then just, it begs the question, where else can we go from here? Right. I I think, yeah. It's good for sampling in the sense that you get to get a, a, a flavor for, for what is being discussed. But for me, anytime I've been able to hear a long form discussion with somebody and hear them go off in a tangent. So clearly a question that, that has never been asked. So I think the best question is the one that is something that they have never really been asked in that specific way. Yeah. And they have a chance to think think it through during that discussion. And they can say something as simple as, listen, great question. I've never actually thought about, let me, let me share how I'm actually thinking about it. Yeah. And, and you get this, get this view into their world and to how they think. And that's ultimately, I feel like that's, that's not for, not for every interview, uh, clearly. Like, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about, um, you know, someone who's gone through something traumatic, perhaps you do want to understand how they're thinking and, and maybe there's aspects of resiliency of of strength of internal will and also the the other uh, tools that they've been able to leverage maybe it's social networks or or there are other types of habits that have helped them overcome maybe that is exactly why you want to hear it but i, I know in other interviews and i'm i'm thinking about like musicians talking about right. their craft their art and you go wow i love that i love hearing how you just talked about it how you just went and then 180 direction that I just couldn't have expected, right? And it's it's exciting, it's thrilling, right? A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. It's it's yeah. one of the most beautiful kinds of questions that you can ever ask somebody. Yeah. The one that shows that like you're really interested and, and it's going a little further than they normally would. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought of interviews coming in two different forms or types. One is the informational interview, and that's where you're asking the person more direct questions, trying to get information out of them. Um, more right. like a courtroom setting. But I think the power of, you know, whatever you think of them, Joe Rogan or someone like Lex Friedman is they they ask questions and they will guide the interview, but they largely let their guests tell their story. And I think that's yeah. where a lot of the appeal for these longer form podcasts comes in because you're not just getting a fact or two, right? You're, you're actually getting to know the person along with the facts and it's helping you to understand where they're coming from, what their perspective is. And have you noticed that as well? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'll be very honest. Sometimes I'm like, man, these conversations are freaking fantastic. But I look back, I'm like, man, this is way too long (laughs) to release. (laughs) Who the hell is going to actually listen to this? Thank you for the people who do. Um, But yeah, it's it's so much fun to just be able to listen to people and and get to know them. And, And I think it goes back to the idea you we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? Uh, Listen twice as much as you speak. Well, and I think the success of Rogan and Lex Friedman with their three, I mean, Lex Friedman, let's face it, it's got four hour podcasts sometimes and you know, he's riding high. Um, I think the success of those podcasts shows that people are willing to listen to a good story True, and it, it doesn't have to be, you know, 
pundits on cable news barking at each other in 15 second increments and, and whatnot that, um, you know, people, they want to sit down and listen to someone who has a good and engaging mm. story and a good right. interviewer who can guide that conversation and bring out the deep facts and the interesting yeah. facts in that story. So, um, and that's, that's what I was listening. That's what I was getting out of the podcast that I was listening to of yours is that you were, you were willing to sit back and just be the person in the room who is the guide, but you're yeah. letting the person tell their story. And so I think that was excellent because like we mentioned before, I mentioned again, the storytelling is the way you build rapport with people. It's the way you can connect. Yeah. And that's, it's a long, rich history in the human race going you know back as far as however long. So that's wonderful. 100%. I had a question. I was actually um, going back to one of the comments you made. You said one of the uh, aspects of your role models you really liked was preparation. Yes. I hear that right. So what is some of the preparation that you do when you're going to be conducting one of these interviews? So the first preparation for me is always the mental part because I, I need them to feel comfortable for whatever it is they're talking about. So I'm reminding myself, okay, this is their story. This is what I want to I want to create. And I'll often jot down some ideas of okay, this is a particular question I want. I I've, I've, don't usually prepare all the questions in advance, but this is something I want to make sure I touch on because this is something I'm super fascinated by and I don't think you've shared this before. So I'm trying to prepare those kinds of ideas and those kinds of questions. I'm mentally preparing myself to facilitate this conversation um, depending on how difficult it might be or how I need them to feel in, in those first five, 10 minutes. Uh, but that's my preparation. And and the reason I feel that my preparation doesn't need to be as complex as somebody like the gentleman I, I mentioned earlier, they're interviewing people who get interviewed all the time. That's the big challenge for them. So they have to do a lot more preparation to find those questions that haven't been answered. I don't actually have as much of a challenge because a lot of the people I'm talking to have not been on 3,402 podcasts. Uh, so I, I can just, I, I don't need to do that. But the thought process is what I like to follow. It's interesting. So just the 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 the, que the mental kind of routine that you're running beforehand is setting the energy, thinking about the rapport, yeah, and then and then to. getting the concept of the questions that are really you think are going to draw out enough of the uh, the story from them. Do right, you, and I just have sort of an outline. I would say of, okay, this is what we're going to touch on first, just to mm -hmm. warm them up, and then we'll get into this, and then okay, you've told your story. Great. Now let's dive into like, what are we going to dive into? And that's the part I really think about. What's your strategy for getting people comfortable? Like, do you have them stand up and do calisthenics with you? Um, do some That actually is a great idea. Yeah. I should do that. <laughs> that's a great idea. I should do that one. No, it's, um, it's when they hop on, uh, I just want to greet them with energy you know, like, hey, good to see you guys, right? Uh, you know, thank you so much for coming. How's your day? You know, if they're in a completely different time zone, like, okay, you're in your evening out of this and I just woke up, my dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we'll just like crack a joke, get them laughing as quick as possible, um, get them smiling. I, I, I want to show enthusiasm. I'm happy to see them. And then just reiterating something I've already told them in, in previous conversation. You know, maybe we've texted a little bit. Maybe we've had a phone call beforehand uh, and, and reiterating, like showing that I remember that stuff. Uh, I want them to know I remember that stuff and letting them know, yo, I'm actually I'm super excited to see you and I'm super excited to share your story. That's pretty much it. 
So what dawned on me as you were talking was this concept of humor as sort of being a a universal or or think of it abstractly as sharing bread, right? It's something that we can all, um, we can all understand because when we laugh, like I I love the the concept. I think um, Andrew Schultz, uh, a comedian, talks about it. Just the fact that you can't stop yourself from laughing. It's involuntary. You can force yourself to laugh, but if you find something funny, it makes you want to laugh. And if you can create that and other people can relate to it, it's such an easy tool, right? Um, Absolutely. And and maybe some people try too hard. (laughs) Maybe they're throwing out jokes that aren't very good. That's okay. Uh, I think it, it, but it is a universal tool. Absolutely. Um, And especially when you're going to have those difficult conversations. Paul and I throw out bad jokes all the time. So I think bad bad jokes can work, though. Bad jokes can work. (laughs) If they get people laughing, hey, listen, you got them laughing. Even if it's bad, the joke is not actually the joke. That works. You got them laughing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dad jokes have been around for probably as long as mosquitoes have been. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so just, <laughs> just an example of that, um, I was, I was doing a, a fitness thing and, and the guy who was, who was, uh, the, the coach there, he, he quoted two dad jokes that came from the latest Ghostbusters movies and they are so bad. They're good. It just made me realize there's, yeah. you're right. There's a whole genre of really, really, really bad jokes that again, you just can't help but chuckle because they're just so stupid. Yep. And that's okay. I mean, they say an eye roll can be just as good as a chuckle anytime. So if your dad <laughs> joke just gets an eye roll, then you know you've hit something. Yeah, pay dirt, that's man. true. Pay dirt. So we've talked a lot about what makes a story memorable. What makes a story less memorable? And anything that makes a story come across as insincere or maybe get you a little on edge. It's funny because I feel like you partially answered it. I think the the thing that makes a story not so memorable and not so interesting is when you can tell it's insincere, when it's not real, when it's not authentic. That's, you know, when, when somebody, for example, might be sharing a story just to gain attention. I, I, I get people who want to be on my show and I can already tell that's their primary thing. They want to get attention. And there's nothing wrong with getting attention and bringing, you know, I mean, I get I get it. That's what that's what the people on my show actually do want to do, right? They do want to bring attention to their story. But it's it's a very different perspective when they come from a place of I just want people to I I just want to share my stuff versus I want to share it because I think there's value in this. And sometimes it's hard for me to share, but I need to share it. So as I'm hearing that, I'm wondering, is, is your filter something along the lines of, does this help others? When you yes. say value, I, I think sometimes that can be, um, in someone's mind, someone go, they, they don't quite grok it because they're saying, well, wh- what, is, what do we mean by valuable? You, Fair. You, you talked about the person who uh, experienced rape. You talked about the person who uh, was dealing with yeah. PTSD and alcoholism. If their story can help somebody, it seems like that that exceeds that threshold. You've now created yes. value whereas versus just attention. Is that the way you think about it? That is 100% the way I think about it. Um, and of course, for me, value also in- includes laughing and entertaining somebody and making somebody feel good. That is That is included for me. It doesn't just have to be insightful. Insightful, if it's fun, if it's giving somebody hope, all of that for me is value. Um, my show is the Eric Chow Empowers podcast. And I think all of those ideas fit into the word empowerment in my view. So if I feel that, then then I think it's a good story. If there's a sense of insincerity and in where it's just trying to get people to like them or or something like that, then or, or just trying to get people to feel bad for them or whatever it is, I, I don't care for it. You've been doing this podcast, what, a couple years, I think you said? Two and a half years. 
almost. What skills do you think a lot of people lack when they're interviewing someone or interacting with someone or just storytelling? And what would you say to someone who wanted to build up their uh, abilities in these areas? The first thing that comes to mind is that key initial start of making somebody feel comfortable. Most people, in my view, lack that ability. And I think it's as simple as being enthusiastic. And I think my natural assumption that people are interesting and that I am excited to hear their story and that I think that their story is as complex, if not more complex than mine. Like all of that ties into my natural curiosity and interest and enthusiasm. So I actually am so glad to see them there. Uh, And I think that's a very important skill. And then the willingness to facilitate those more difficult conversations. You've said several times, Scott, that it's building rapport. And I think quality is so much more important than the quantity of conversations that you have with the person. So being willing to have those kinds of conversations, even though yes, it's difficult. And even though yes, sometimes I screw myself over emotionally afterwards, um, being willing to take them and being willing to sit there with the person is not easy, because there's that sense of emotional vulnerability. And it takes practice in order to get good at it. But the willingness to do it is the most important thing. I'm going to push this a little further. Are there It sounds like there may be some specific tactics too. So things like pausing and allowing the person or or not caring about the dead air for longer than you feel uncomfortable. Asking open-ended versus closed questions, things like that. Or is is that, have you thought through that or or is that that just too, or or do you feel like you've already mastered that? Okay. I don't know if I've mastered it, but I think a lot (laughs) of it is, I, I do think a lot of it is natural for me now. That's why I say that the, the tactics are important. You're out, everything that you just mentioned is absolutely true. You de- need to ask open-ended. You need to know when to ask closed uh, and, and, and everything that you just said. For me, it always starts with the mindset of it. And there has to be that willingness. If you have the willingness, great. Then yeah, you need to learn how to ask those open-ended questions and those close-ended. And you need to know when to sit in those pauses and allow the other person the space to think. Um, my the Probably the most difficult skill in my view is when you are actually in those difficult, it's, it's fun to use humor in the beginning of the conversation to get them comfortable. The most difficult skill for me uh, is knowing when to use humor in the middle of a difficult conversation. That's, that's like, that's the magic. If you get that one right, oh, it's beautiful. Um, because if you can actually... Like you're having those tough moments, but then you laugh and the other person laughs. You're both like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just continue on. Oh my God. That is the most, if you get that, if you got that skill, you're, you're in. <laughs> that's, that's a difficult muscle to develop. It is. Right. It's because you got, you got a sense, you got to be able to say something that you're taking. Every, okay. First of all, and this is just my theory of humor or comedy. There's a risk. There's a risk yes. anytime you throw out a joke, right? We were talking about bad dad jokes, right? It, and, and what is that risk? Well, you may offend somebody. Yeah. Uh, they may they may take offense uh, to to what you're saying. Um, yep. You you look in, uh, dispassionate about their, especially you know like dark humor, right? Which is yeah. a, which is a subgenre I love. I absolutely love dark humor, and it's it's really difficult because a lot of people can be offended. And so you got to know when to take the risk. You got to, you got to be able to, you know, have a high, 
a high winning percentage, right? Because otherwise that person's going to sit there and you're you're chuckling and they're they're kind of sitting there. You just made fun of the fact that I, um, you know, I got in a car wreck and I've been disabled. And you're going, yeah, oopsie. You know, I mean, yep. that's, that's really uncomfortable. And and you, I did, boom, you just lost all the trust that you worked so hard to develop. Yes. Gone yes. in an instant. So it's, it's definitely a hard skill. <laughs> right. Right. Remember, I mean, it, you can destroy years or months or, you know, a, a hard one, tr- hard one trust in just a, an instant moment. So definitely. Yeah, literally. That. And speaking of that, the pauses tend to make people uncomfortable and it can cause yes. them to start rambling. So how, how do you manage the pauses? Do you look at, is there something in their eyes where they're like, okay, please, you know, <laughs> please jump in and rescue me here. Or how does, how do you do that? Um, I usually don't go for that one just because sometimes I actually want them to sit in there because I think part of the process of facilitating these kinds of conversations is pushing them a little bit. Uh, obviously I don't want to push them too far if they get too far and then obviously, Hey, listen, they should push back on me. Um, but I like to push them a little bit further because that's how I feel I bring out the best. And so when, when I see them looking at me like that, I, I, I totally am comfortable <laughs> with just leaving them alone and like, Nope sit in there a little bit or i'll ask a question that forces them to go into it <laughs> i might do that sometime uh i think i've also gotten to the point where i'm a little bit more comfortable than the average human being in terms of sitting in those pauses so i think that helps me because by the time i get uncomfortable it's like okay we should move on now but because i'm a, like my threshold is a little bit further than them so usually they'll sit in it and i'm like i'm still okay i'm still okay and then i'll like okay i'll break now uh so why, why are we so uncomfortable with pauses? I, I have no idea. This is not something I've thought of, <laughs> but it's... Yeah, I just remember when I was interviewing for jobs coming out of college, uh, one of the things that they told us is if there's a pause, don't feel like you need to talk to fill it because you might end up saying something that's going to sink you. So just answer the question. <laughs> and then no matter if they're just going to sit there, if the interviewer is just going to sit there and stare at you, stare at them back until they ask yeah. another question, which... I'm totally bad at, but, um, one, that seems very awkward. (laughs) (laughs) One, one strategy I heard, um, and apparently this is Icelandic, although I don't know anyone from Iceland, so I don't know if this is true, but is Mm -hmm. when someone asks you a question, just count to four before you even answer, even if you already know the answer, just pause, count to four, then answer them. And that will help you get more comfortable with pauses. Um, like I said, I've never, never gotten comfortable with pauses, so I have no idea if it works. So, so you, you just found this random strategy on the internet of lies and now you're promoting it to all of Eric's and ours uh, people. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the fact checkers will come in and tell me that uh, there is no, no such thing as Iceland. So I don't know what I'm Guys, talking about. Guys, this, this is fake news. This is fake news. Do not listen to anything he just said. All the strategies shared by Scott can be ignored. Right. In fact, there is no Scott, right? The fact yeah, that's right. Yeah. There is no Scott. Yeah, he's the, uh, he's, he's the AI. <laughs> so, well, that was some, some great advice. Uh, Paul and I, we'd like to close off the, the interviews with just some fun questions. Um, Let's so, do it. So, Paul, did you have anything else about storytelling I, and interviewing? Yeah, actually, I had, I had one, one question. So, uh, the interview format is... Really, I mean, I, I, if I ever mention an interview, people are going to be thinking about something from TV. They're going to be thinking yeah, about an article true. in a paper, or they're going to be thinking about something similar. Have you seen where, you know, as you've developed these skills, that it bleeds into more just your your interaction with people uh, on a person to person basis when you're not actually interviewing people? That's a great question. 
Um, it's, it's very interesting to me to actually pay attention to that part because one of the things I find is I feel like I listen a lot on my podcast and I feel so much less pressure when I'm having a regular conversation to ask that many questions because I'm not, I feel like... uh, if I'm not facilitating the conversation, like it's like driving, like if I'm not facilitating the conversation, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not driving. So I won't even hit the gas. I'm just there. (laughs) I'm so much I'm super laid back. I'll probably be talking more, to be honest, they'll probably be asking the questions a lot of the time. Um, But obviously, I, I still keep the natural sort of curiosity that I have. And I still am coming up with those questions that are, I think, I think very interesting and that I think go on an interesting angle. So I think I'm very good at seeing those in conversations because I'm just I, I don't feel like I need to look for the r- normal com- normal questions anymore. I'm just we're having a conversation and I I'm not really facilitating anything. But the moment I see something I'm like, okay, wait, let's let's go into that a little bit because that seems like an interesting, interesting avenue there. Like it's just like a sudden like light bulb moment where, hey, you know what? let's 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 wake up here let's actually really let's go down there because that seems interesting to me and i think also having that perspective of here having heard so many stories that also helps me to relate to people to connect with people and also sometimes i just share those stories i'm like hey listen i just talked to somebody on my podcast for this and let me just tell you their story really quickly because i think it'll be interesting to you or i think it'll help you excellent yeah it's you know there, there's you're, the the time that you're investing here isn't just helping the listeners. It's also uh, building your own skill, which is true. What you expect to happen? I mean, you're going to be impacted, influenced by by everything that you do in life, including uh, having a podcast and sharing really deep, heartfelt stories. So, absolutely. All right, Scott. Do we want to hit him up? Uh, hit up Eric with a couple of fun, not so deep <laughs> questions. Yeah, let's let's get into this here. I wonder what's going to happen so, now. I feel like I'm more nervous about this part than the. <laughs> You should be. You absolutely should be. This is this is the hard part. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you like least about Stefan? I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> when we started mentally unscripted, our our goal was to help people become better thinkers. And 2020, mm-hmm. 2021 have been probably some of the most eventful years of most people's lives. So, what what did you learn to become a better thinker during that time? Um, the big thing I would say that comes to mind is not judging myself. Mm. That's kind of the big one that comes to me. I feel like I'm I I can I've been a little bit self-critical of myself. That's been a, a trend of mine for for the past several years and maybe my whole life. So, learning not to judge myself and just go, "Okay, listen, this is what this is what's happening." And by not going down that rabbit hole of judging myself, I feel like I'm able to think a lot more clearly, a lot more objectively, I would say, which is a very hard skill to learn also, to be able to kind of put that aside and think a little bit more objectively but that that would be the big thing for me not not judging myself on especially on like failures or mistakes or things like that right so turn off that reptile brain that's always kind of yeah exactly in your head because yeah, i'm not actually in survival mode like i'm not gonna die right so. <laughs> <clears throat> and imagine you woke up tomorrow and it was a brand new world what would that world look like uh, should, should i be optimistic about this new world <laughs> it's, it's up to you it's, it's your okay. world yeah <laughs> Okay, if I'm if I'm creating this, then it it would just be I, I'm going to be super optimistic. I think that if, if we could have a world where people are uh, have more self esteem, that is my 
big thing. Like if I could sell anybody on anything, it would be self-esteem. I think if people believed in themselves more and respected themselves more and obviously respected each other, oh my God, this would, it would be amazing. If everybody just actually believed in themselves uh, and, and were confident in themselves because and I think some people sometimes confuse that and they go, okay, but what about arrogance? No, 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 no. Confident people are never arrogant. Arrogant people are just insecure uh, at a different level. So I think if everybody had that, we would we would be thriving. I mean, oh my God, so many problems would disappear in my opinion. I like that. I like that. So maybe uh, let's just reset. We're going to put you in charge. <laughs> uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to pump a confidence uh, serum into the water supply. That's what we need. That's what, don't put me in charge. I don't need to be. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the responsibility. Just, I don't. I don't need that. I mean, I, right. if if you can tell me how to cast some magic spell or put some confidence serum, that's good. Well, it sounds like it'd be a world without politicians, so that'd make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> that would really help us, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it would. All right. So, well, that's great interview. Those are great answers. We really appreciate it. Um, grand finale here. Where can people find you? Any last parts of wisdom, any last parting shots of wisdom that you want to give people? And uh, what can what can we expect from you in the future? Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a blast. You guys are great. I love this show and I love the questions you guys asked me. And um, yeah, anybody wants to follow me, social media at Eric Chow Real. That's E-R-I-C-C-H-O-W Real. Uh, pretty much anywhere you can follow me. Uh, you, you can also obviously listen to my podcast, the Eric Chow Empowers podcast is available pretty much everywhere, uh, even on some obscure ones that you've probably never heard of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, follow me. And honestly, I love talking to people. So do not be afraid to shoot me a message and say hi, wherever you choose to interact with me at. Paul, anything else? No, that's it, Eric. We appreciate you coming on, talking about storytelling and uh, sharing some skills and some ideas for how to uh, to get people to talk about some pretty complex topics in a positive way. So I think it's great. Um, yeah. Great. Awesome. And uh, we'll post the show notes and we'll, we'll link to your social media and your podcast in the show notes. And folks, don't forget, go out to mentallyunscripted.com. You can find the show notes and also sign up for the how to never argue again unless you want to guide. It's 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 tearing it up. I'm telling you, we're just getting lots of great comments on that. And it's absolutely free, except for you have to give us an email address. But besides yeah. that, it's absolutely free. Yeah. Now you now you can take that guide and add to it uh, some of what you've heard today about storytelling and thinking about how that can uh, go into your discussion and kind of your arsenal of tools to have better dialogue with anyone and everyone. I'm sure that would help. That sounds amazing. All right. Well, thanks again, Eric. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. This is right. awesome. Cheers. <laughs>